Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. So, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for those here in this room and those who will check in via Facebook tonight, Lord. Uh, We just ask by your Holy Spirit that you would teach us your word. Holy Spirit, I believe that there's things you want to speak to every person here tonight. Lord, you know us even better than we know ourselves. There's things you want us to hear. And Lord, I can't say those things, but you can through me. So I pray that you'd use me as a vessel. I humble myself and acknowledge I need you to speak your words. So help me to be a vessel. Flow through me, Holy Spirit, to speak to every heart here in the room and on Facebook and on the recording. And all for your glory, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, well, tonight we're going to switch gears a little bit. I'd been on sort of a mini-series, and then last week I touched on Uh, the subject of testing, but I'm heading a new direction now, and uh, Zeke's heading a new direction. You never know how interesting it's going to get here, but Caleb, I'm going to put you in charge of Zeke. You can take him down if you want. And, uh, okay, let's have somebody take him down. (laughs) So I'm going to go a new direction. And because we're experiencing some difficulties, some, some real, I'm going to touch on this in the sermon, we're, we're experiencing today a number of difficulties that we, we haven't seen war like we're seeing right now in, in some time. We haven't had a pandemic in quite some time and there's some social unrest and all of these layered together really um, have surfaced um, Dynamics that I think it's best to go right to Scripture and just show this is the type of thing Jesus said would happen. And so if this is sort of newer material, hang with me. But we just want to know what Jesus has said, and we want, to, we want to accept what he said. We want to love what he said, and we want it to guide us through the storms of life, through the difficulties. And so I've got a lot of introduct, introductory material here, but just to kind of summarize that for the sake of time, Jesus, uh, we're going to look at this passage in Matthew 24. By the way, my title right there, the, the Mount of Olives Mandate endure to the end. That's the mandate Jesus gave when he talked about the end times or when he talked about what it would be like at the end of the age, his main charge was to endure to the end. And this is, a, this is a, an idea you're maybe not going to hear preached a lot, but this is something that Jesus made very clear. There's going to be dynamics happening in the world 
And that if Jesus says you're going to need to endure, and we know he's the greatest prophet and the greatest teacher ever, if he said we need to endure, there's going to be things that we're going to need to endure. And so I just want us to know we're going to go through some things that you may think, well, that's pretty intense. All that's going to happen. What I want us to know is, first of all, imagine not knowing what we're going to go through how much harder it would be to endure if we had no idea what was coming. And so there's, on one level, we should be grateful that he has said, this is what's coming so that we can prepare, so that we can set our hearts, so that we can tell others, well, this is what he said would happen. It's happening. Let's be more uh, seeking the Lord, not less. So I think on uh, one dimension of it is gratitude. Jesus said what was going to happen because I wouldn't want to go blind into these kind of difficulties. The other thing I want to just touch on is that the idea of the gospel is not just when Jesus was born and then uh, died and resurrected. That's, that's one half of the gospel. The other half of the gospel, what we see here at the end of this passage in Scripture that we're going to read it says here in Matthew twenty four fourteen, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. And so the things we're going to talk about tonight are part of the gospel. Sometimes when we think gospel, we think, uh, Jesus, I want to be saved. You died, you resurrected so I can be saved. Woo, forgiveness. I love that. And that's, that's certainly part of the gospel and that's essential. And we must never stop preaching that because Jesus is the only way of salvation And yet there's more to the gospel than just that. Jesus said many things about when he would return. And so we can't just kind of cut it in half and say, this is the gospel and that's kind of weird eschatology stuff. No, the whole thing is the gospel. And so his birth, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, he appeared to many witnesses and he said, I will come back one day. And when he comes back, there will be many, many difficulties happening in the earth. And and so through those difficulties, the church will be saying, Lord, come back. And he will come back one day. And so it's the the whole gospel message is from birth all the way to the second coming. Plus, there's more into eternity. So we can't just say this is the gospel over here, you know, the virgin birth and the death and resurrection and all that. It's the whole story. And, and it's not the first half is good news and the second half is bad news. The whole gospel is good news. And so everything I'm going to share tonight, it's not like, gee, can't we talk about the good part of the gospel? No, the whole thing, if he said it, we need it. There's nothing that he said that he was like, well, I kind of just wanted to freak you out a little bit. No, we need that information for our own spirituality, for our own, our own life, to, to live for him through it all. So that's just something I wanted to start with right there. If you could, go to Matthew 24. I think I've qualified it enough there. But what we're going to look through, some of you tonight and, and, uh, and you know, Maybe you're hearing the recording and you're like, what? You maybe never heard someone preach this section of Scripture. Okay, and, and let me just say real quick, we need from Genesis to Revelation, we need the whole Bible. It's very common today for people to preach their favorite couple of Scriptures. 
And those are great. We need those, but we need everything else or else we're not, we're not getting the whole message and the whole message is so important. Okay, so the scripture passage, Matthew 24, 1 through 14. I'm going to just read this real quick. I, don't, I, I, I have it there so we can study on our own, but let me just get through it real quick. Setting the stage, Jesus had been in the, the temple. His disciples come to him. And Jesus makes a, an unusual statement in uh, verse 2. He says, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And this is a prophecy he made that was fulfilled in about 70 AD when the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was destroyed. Uh, that's, that's history. So that really happened. And yet it speaks of a future, even, even beyond what happened in 70 AD, there's a future day coming where this will reach a, another fulfillment. That's a message for another time. We get to verse 3. He's sitting on Mount Olives. The disciples come to him and say, tell us, when are these things going to happen? When will these things be? And then Jesus goes into his Mount of Olives sermon. He says, lost my place here. There's a Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him and tell us what's going to happen. And he says, the, uh, what will be the signs of your coming and what will be the signs of the end of the age? And then Jesus answers and says, take heed that no one deceives you. We're going to break all this down. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And he goes on to say in verse 7, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. And all of these are very significant statements. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. This is what he says to his disciples. There's coming a time where there will be tribulation and there will be very intense persecution of the church. Of course, that's happening today. It will, it will continue to increase. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will, uh, will betray one another, and will hate one another. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold but, here's the good news, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, I want to just say this from the get-go. There is no indication at all whatsoever that we're going to be called out of this. Jesus clearly says you need to endure this. You're going to go through this. You need to endure it. There will be so many people on earth so confused and there will be a church preaching Christ and many will turn to the Lord because of faithful believers who endured through incredible difficulty. I want to be one of those people and you want to be one of those people and I think you are those types of people. We don't want to go halfway through and go, I don't know about this anymore. Oh, you want to endure. It is so worth it to go all the way to the end because there's coming a day he comes back in the sky. We're going to see him face to face 
And he's going to say, I'm so proud of you. Well done. You endured. You did it. We don't want to give up at any part of the journey. As hard as it can be sometimes to be a believer. And to be quite frank, here in America, we have it really easy. I mean, I think of Christians in North Korea. I think of Christians in Afghanistan. I think of Christians in many other countries. It is severe, very severe persecution. If people even think you're a Christian, you're put into a, a work camp where you're worked to death, literally. Or you're uh, killed uh, just for your faith right on the spot. And so we have it pretty easy here in America, but even here, compared to you know, a North Korean believer or someone in China, we want to endure whatever troubles come our way. And he says, in this gospel of the kingdom we be preached in all the world, this message, passages like this will be preached worldwide before Jesus comes back. And why is that? Because we'll need to hear it. We need to hear that this is coming because it will come. And again, if we're going to go through the end of the age, the very end of what's happening in in natural history just before the Lord comes back, we don't want to go through it blind. And many today, they kind of think, whatever, end time stuff, I'm just going to hopefully just do my life and have fun and but there's going to be a generation, and it could be ours, it could be our kids, we don't really know, that's going to face this stuff head on. We want to be prepared. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Then the end will come. The end means, not the end of like the world, the end meaning there's a point in time where Jesus literally comes back for real in the sky, and he there's details that I won't get in tonight, but he eventually comes to Jerusalem and reigns worldwide as king. And he initiates a new age where Jesus himself, our Savior, our Lord, our King, is physically on the earth. And that is such a glorious, amazing sermon that we might do over the next few weeks. I haven't really decided where this is going, but there's coming a day in history where we will see Jesus in the sky and he will appear just at the right moment to drive evil completely off the earth and to establish a kingdom that is based in righteousness, peace, and joy. And we as believers will be able to participate in that government, heaven on earth, literally, for the rest of eternity. I mean, I can't think of anything more that you would want in life than to be a believer in that kingdom. I don't, I don't understand how anybody could go, I, I don't want that. Oh, we want to be on his team because it may seem like it's tarried. It's been 2,000 years since he promised to come again. But it could be close. And so we, we just... We really want to lock in to what he's saying. And again, I put here, it may be sooner than we think. It may not. Either way, we live for the Lord with passion. I want to go through these really quickly, these specific signs that Jesus spoke of. I don't want to get too, too much into them because it, it would take too long. But I've got a lot of information you can go through on your own. 
I'm going to go through six or seven of the things Jesus said specifically. Just want to elaborate for one or two minutes apiece. And then we'll, like I said, we'll get in a group to pray together. Oh, no, no, I'm not landing it yet. I, I mean, we got Curtis Brown in the, in the audience. So I, you know, I got to keep you happy. <laughs> I'm just messing. The very first thing, this is under number three on the notes, first page. The very first thing, when, G, when the disciples said, tell us what's going to happen. When it's close to the end, Jesus says, don't be deceived. That's the very first warning or charge he gave was don't be deceived. And I want to say this, a very wise man I look up to once said that, that Jesus is a far better leader than Satan is a deceiver. Always know that. Jesus is leading his church with so much wisdom, and we know that he's building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There is going to be a victorious church all the way through to the end, and I believe it will be in the the number will be a billion plus, hundreds of millions of really strong believers worldwide. Maybe one or two billion. I don't know what the population will be when he comes back. It could be billions. I think there there will be very strong, but there will be many who are tempted into deception and taken away by deception. And so that's the very first thing. Although I believe Jesus is an incredible leader, he's going to bring his church through a lot of these deceptions, we still have to be vigilant. We still have to be devoted to him. We still have to be men and women who read the Bible so we know it's true and we're not easily swayed by every little thing that comes by. Um, I put under here, well, he mentioned uh, Jesus specifically said, be not deceived because there's going to be false Christ, people claiming to be Christ. Okay, let me say that one more time. When Jesus said, don't let anybody deceive you, the very next thing he said was, many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ. So one of the ways that there's going to be deception released into the earth is people literally saying, I am Christ, I am the second coming. And, and whenever I talk about this, because it's, you know, every couple times a year, people go, what are you talking about? Who would ever say that? I assure you, this has been happening ever since Jesus said it for 2,000 years, and it's been growing throughout history. And if you simply Google, Google, I have it written here on my notes, Google people claiming to be Jesus. I even put an article that you can click on. If you, and these notes are online. You can just pull up the PDF, click on it. There was a, what, what is the... The New Zealand Herald did an article on the people in the earth who claim to be Christ. They did an expose on seven of them. And they're in various countries. And these people literally claim that they're Christ. And they have huge followings. Some of them 10,000 people. One of them 100,000. You know, some of them have huge influence. And, and, and it's... So when Jesus says, don't be deceived, many will claim to be Christ, it's happening. And it unfortunately will happen more and more. And, and I, again, I don't have time to touch on every detail, but there's only one Christ who's going to appear in the heavens. Jesus said, like lightning shooting from one end of the earth, the sky to the other. That's how I'm going to, you're going to know I'm the real one because I'm going to start in heaven and come down to earth. So if there's a Christ on the earth that didn't have a celestial parade, 
then we go, that's clearly not the right one. There's nobody on earth that is the real Jesus. And it seems obvious, but when you're in an atmosphere of maybe poverty, uh, an impoverished area of the world, maybe there's war, maybe there's difficulty, you're, you're, you're more prone to be open to things like this. And so whatever the circumstances, there are people in the earth today that are claiming to be Jesus and, and people follow them. I, I just, I, I wish it wasn't so, but it's real. I think as the church, we're going to help win some of them. We're going to, by, by loving them and preaching the truth to them, that, that guy didn't appear in the heavens. That's not the Jesus of the Bible, and we're going to help some of them. There's also going to be unbiblical teaching. Um, I always urge people, read the Bible for yourself. If I say something that you cannot see in your own Bible, then don't believe it. If, if the person you look up to says things that are not in the Bible, don't believe it. You know, one of the things I deal with a lot is people will say to me, well, I heard a guy on YouTube say, or I saw a guy on TV say, and I go, well, if it's not in the Bible... I appreciate all these people, but there's so many people out there today preaching the craziest things. If we can't see Bible verses that say that, then we throw it out no matter how much we like the, we love the people, but we have to be vigilant. I can't just believe everything that's out there because there's so much out there now. There's so much stuff on YouTube and on, you know, uh, TV. And, and so we just, if it's in the Bible, we believe it. If not, we throw it out. And sometimes... You know, you'll even hear me share a message and I might say something that's, eh, throw that out then. You know, we don't, if, if you follow a preacher who's consistently right on, they might say something wrong every once in a while. Just throw that out and just keep listening. But if it's someone that's consistently saying falsehood and things that aren't in the Bible, I would urge you not to listen to them. We want to listen to people that are right on and no one has perfect theology there's not a person on earth that has perfect theology, but there are men and women who do make an honest effort to get it right. And every once in a while, they'll get it wrong, I'll get it wrong, but we listen to people who are imperfect, but who are dedicated to getting it right. Um, and so we, we just want to be, and I, again, I've met with so many people over the years, and they're like, well, this guy, he said this, and I, I feel for you, I know you like him, but that's just not biblical, and so we throw it out, we love him. And if he keeps saying unbiblical things every time you hear him, then you might not want to listen at all, even though you like him. There are so many sincere people who love God, but they just don't read the Bible. And so they say things that just aren't biblical a lot. And, and again, we don't become harshly judgmental. We, we don't, you know, all that. We just, we recognize we want to listen to people who are sharing the truth with us. Another thing that's going to reach crazy levels of deception is just the whole, the whole idea of conspiracies that are out there. I cannot tell you the things I've heard in the last two, three years that were so wild and so crazy, and you've heard them too, we've all heard them, but we have to be mature enough to go, that's not real, or that's not true, I'm going to go with what's real. And we just have to do that. We don't, we don't hate people, we don't argue on Facebook or, you know, send tweets and all that. It's just like we go, okay, that's not true. I'm going to go with what's real. Uh, quick example, if you're following the war in uh, Ukraine and uh, uh, where Russia attacked Ukraine, if you're following that at all, um, what you find out pretty quickly is that Russia is uh, a propaganda state. They literally 
show their people propaganda all day, and that's all their people know. And so some of them don't know that they're at war with Ukraine like the rest of the world knows because they're only watching it through their one state, state-run media channel. And so part of the reason that there's deception going on, even in that war, is many Russians have no idea what's going on because the government controls everything that's coming to them. There's, there's a lot of Russians that do know, but there's a huge percentage that do not. And they believe everything they hear on that TV. And we have our same issues here in America and all over the world. But there's going to be various kinds of deceptions, is my point. There will be false Christ, unbiblical teaching, conspiracies, propaganda. We have to be vigilant. Number two, Jesus said that there would be war and rumors of war. He said nations will rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. What this means is there's going, there's literally going to be world wars. There's going to be civil wars. There's going to be ethnic battles within countries. There's going to be all kinds of rumors. War will increase the closer we get to the end is what the, the point is. And when war increases... Many other dynamics happen. There is a dramatic effect on social order. Uh, Many times when a country goes into war, what happens is they declare martial law. And that instantly changes the social fabric. The, the, The way life was going yesterday, it's totally different now. And so when Jesus says there's going to be war and kingdoms fighting and nation, there's going to be all kinds of shifts in how governments run their country. There will be... Uh, like I said, there will be martial law. There will be military drafts. Um, you know, in America, we have a hard time thinking of this. We haven't had a draft since Vietnam. But if we go into a world war, if Russia decides to drop a nuke, we are immediately in a world war. That second. I just want you to know how close we are to that. If, if Vladimir Putin drops a nuke, the world is suddenly at war. There's not a chance we're not going to get involved in that. And once that happens, everything changes. I don't want it to happen. I'm not trying to just scare anybody. I'm just saying we're that close. And, and it's, we have to be aware of how fragile things are at times when there are evil people doing these things. And once there is a world war, there could be a military law. There could be a, uh, there could be a draft. Parents my age don't think about this, but if that were to happen, there could be a dra- our kids could be drafted in a few years. So again, a lot shifts. People just go, ooh, wars and rumors of wars. There's so much more to that than we really think. Uh, when there's war, this is what's happening in Ukraine right now. I've, I've just today looked at the numbers. I know I'm talking fast. Uh, I'm trying to get through a lot of material. You got to hear this. The New York Times today said one-fourth of the entire country of Ukraine has been displaced in one month. Ten million people. Ten million. I mean, that's just... Think of a fourth of our country being displaced internally and externally in one month. It's the largest movement of people since World War II in, in Europe. I mean, it's just... It's happening in our real life. It's just, there's just, and so when there's war, there's all kinds of social shifts. There's refugees. 
There's immigration, emigration, people moving all over the It just changes everything drastically. And so we have to know this is coming. Uh, our president just announced, I think today, that we're going to take in 100,000 refugees from Ukraine. Poland has taken in, I think it's 1.5 million to 2 million, something like that. And they, so their country just grew like 5% in like two weeks. And so that just radically shifts. It's like, okay, Putin thought he was going into a war for three days and he was completely wrong. It's going to maybe take months or years. And so people are, and it just shifts. And so that actually changes governments. That changes voting. That changes so much. So the world shifts, as Jesus' point here. There's war. There's lots of change. And it's only going to keep happening. You know, the thing that we've been hearing over and over is I just want normal again. I just want normal. And there's not going to be normal again. It's just, I crave normal. I want it to be like it was in the 80s when like no one really cared about anything. You know, it was just, you just lived your life and everything was easy and there was no smartphones. And you actually went out and played and, you know, it just times were, it's just never going to be, I got to remind myself, we have to remind ourselves, it's just going to continually get more, it's, we're marching toward a second coming. History is moving toward a second coming. And m- much of the earth would never acknowledge that, but we as the church, we acknowledge we're moving toward a second coming. And so these things are going to continue to unfold. I was just at the radio station in Pekin today, and I was just, you know, I, I do these radio segments for, for 88.5 and and I said, I won't see you guys for a few weeks unless there's a war. And then I'll do one on that. You know, I'm kind of sort of joking, but, you know, hopefully we only have one war at a time. But you just never know. I, I really hope that it doesn't escalate, but we, you just don't know. Real quick, number three on the second page, back of the first page. Jesus said there'd be famine, pestilence, earthquakes. I want to draw our attention to the pestilence. That That literally means a pestilence is like a... Uh, a fatal epidemic or a pandemic. It's what we're living in right now. What Jesus, when Jesus said pestilence, he was talking about COVID-19. He was talking about what we're going through. But what, what he is saying is these are going to happen more and more and more. There will be more viruses. There will be more uh, types of contagions and some of them will be local to a little little city or or a nation and others will be worldwide like we're seeing right now but this is something that's not it's not going to be the last pandemic there will be many more and they could be far more serious i mean we could get in 20 years from now and go man i'll take COVID over this and so this is stuff that will continue to happen jesus said there would be famine and that sounds bad, but, you know, if you think the next thought, famine causes starvation, death increases, uh, and that has effect on climate, you know, governments will say if there's famine, we got to do things about the climate, because climate, sh- so then government intervention and all these things are all interconnected. There's going to be so much need for humanitarian aid. I can't even, I can't even stress this enough. The need for humanitarian aid will be so serious, every organization on the earth will be maxed out continually. Because there will be so much famine, there will be so much need, it will be a constant, we need to get food there, we need to get water there. And so think of all the people in humanitarian missions 
aid relief will always feel overwhelmed and overburdened. There's going to be such a need to be salt and light to these people, to the people they're reaching. The church has an incredible opportunity. Everything's going to be stretched thin in in many parts of the world. I think it's going to get to the point, and I mean this literally, we are going to have to see Book of Acts miracles again. We're going to have to see multiplying of food by a miracle We're going to have to see things of that nature. We're going to need to see a church like in the book of Acts in the end of the age. And that's people like us just saying, Lord, we got two fishes and five loaves of bread. Like it's not enough for this thousands of people. And boom, it becomes hundreds of pieces of fish and bread. Boom, it's thousands. We need to begin to believe for that kind of miracle level. Jesus said the things I do, you will do and greater you will do. John 14, 12, the things I do, you will do, and greater. Make sure you're believing for these things. Earthquakes, Jesus said there'd be earthquakes. I think there's going to be all kinds of disturbances, but he specifically says earthquakes for a reason. Excuse me, there was a recently, I don't know if you heard this in the news, in Tonga, kind of a place I want to go visit. Tonga is in the South Pacific. If you kind of like fly over Hawaii and miss Hawaii and keep going, you might land in Tonga. I'd like to kind of miss Hawaii and land there myself. That'd be fun. Um, Do missions there. (laughs) I would love that. But uh, they just had a uh, volcano eruption that caused a tsunami that caused daily earthquakes. It's like the trifecta. Excuse me. There's a couple articles there. And uh, I was listening to some podcasts on this and just so interested by natural phenomenon. But there has been, I think for the last 20 years, there's an agency that measures explosions because they want to see if is anybody dropping nukes that we don't know about. So for the last 20 years, they've been you know monitoring explosions. And the Tonga volcano eruption was the biggest in their history. And they, they estimated that it was 100, th- 100 times more powerful than the first atomic bomb. When this volcano erupted, it was 100 times more powerful than the first nuke that was dropped. I mean, of course, we've built many, many more powerful nukes since then. But it's, it was just an outrageously powerful plume that was like went to space. And it was so powerful that a tsunami hit all over the world. You could hear it in Fiji, which is like hundreds of miles away, and it, it, it released earthquakes for like days and days. And so I just think there's going to be like a groaning in creation. The closer we get, we're going to hear more stories like this. It won't be like once every five years. It's going to be regular. And so think about when there's an earthquake, what happens? You know, there's going to be other things too. There's going to be hurricanes, tornadoes, all this stuff. We're going we're gonna, to, I believe, as the church, have so much opportunity to help people. There's going to be all kinds of destruction. And so when I go through all these things, you know, some people would go, oh, that's terrible. That's so... But really, I think our heart should be, oh, my goodness, look at the opportunity to serve the nations. They're, all this is going to happen. We're going to need miracles. We're going to need to help. We're, we're going to need the gospel going to these places 
in not just word, but in deed. We're going to need to love people in not just word, but in deed. We're going to bring the gospel in action and the gospel in word. And so, again, don't, don't be like, oh, my gosh, pestilence, famine, earthquake, false Christ. I mean, that is intimidating. But we've got the heads up. There's going to be billions of people who have no idea what's happening. And we're going to go, here's what's happening, Matthew 24. The Son of God is coming back. I want to help you get your house rebuilt. Here's some food that we prayed that would miraculously appear. And the Jesus who did it loves you. That's the kind of missions that's going to be leading up into the second coming. That's, that's what we're going to be doing. Man, I want to be a part of stuff like that. Real quick, we're going to not go too much longer. Jesus said there will be hatred, offenses, and betrayals. I'm not going to touch too much on that, but that's going to be very real. You know, we've seen in the last five to ten years the escalation of cancel culture and just people being offended about everything, and that's just going to get more and more intense. It's going to grow. It's going to, it's going to get to full measure, and we as the church are going to be known it's going to be so different in the church, I believe. We're going to be the ones that go, we forgive. We let the grudges go. You can, you can, I don't care who canceled you, we will love you. And so it's going to be so harsh in the, in the unchristian world. But the true, the church that loves Jesus is going to be tender hearted and there's going to be a loving kindness. There's going to be something different about the church that's going to attract people out of the hatred. And, I, and we're going to deal with all these things. I put here on the bottom of the little note on betrayal, I'll put this just as a personal note. I've noticed as a pastoral leader, I've been in ministry for 20 years. I've, I've been a senior leader of a ministry going on 10 years and I, I will say the last two to three years, I've seen a very marked increase in betrayal and offense within the church. People leaving, people, you know, canceling friendships and ghosting and all of these things. And I just want to tell, let's not go that way. Let's not go the way of the world. Let's be sure to, Lord Jesus, if there's hatred in me, if there's offense, if there's betrayal or unforgiveness, get it out of me. Because I want, to be, I want to be helping people with your love. And so that's, I think, the way forward is we've got to recognize we're, there is stuff going on. We want to be tender-hearted. We want to be merciful. We want to be forgiving. Number five, Jesus said there would be false prophets. This is going to further add to the confusion and the deception. Jesus said there'd be deception. He said there'd be false Christ. He listed all these other things. And then at the very end, he says, by the way, on top of all the things I'm saying, there's going to be false prophets too. And this is where it gets tricky. Nobody signs up to be a false prophet, okay? And they don't have horns and they don't carry a pitchfork and say, I'm going to falsely prophesy. These are well-meaning people usually. Well-meaning men and women. They for whatever reason, they just start to say things that are just not biblical and they just keep doing it. And I, I want to say this, it's a little, I want to say it clear, but I say it, um, I, I feel pain sometimes because I know I've got friends and loved ones who can get wrapped, we can all get wrapped up into this stuff at times. 
But we just, we cannot listen to people who say false things. I don't care how much we want so-and-so to be president. I don't care how much we want this to be true. If, if it's not true, or if they have a track record of saying things that don't become fulfilled, we just, I love you, but you're missing it. You need to do something else. One of the most prominent prophetic people, I'll say it like this. I don't know of almost any prophetic person that got the election right. I don't know of almost any pr- prophetic person that predicted the pandemic. I don't know of any really real, for real, I don't know any prophetic person in America that predicted the last two to three years with accuracy. It was all way off. And when that happens, we with reasonable minds go, there's something wrong in the prophetic if they're totally missing it. And some of these people, sadly, have never asked for forgiveness. They've never acknowledged they're wrong. And so we at that point go, okay, there's something wrong. If, if all of the people who claim to be prophetic are missing it, then, then we're really missing it. Something's really wrong. And maybe we don't have as many prophets as we thought. And so I just want us to carry that with a little bit of like, ugh, that stings a little. There was one uh, individual, I put the, the article there, you can read from the Washington Post, a man by the name of Jeremiah Johnson who is very well known. I actually didn't really know about him until this article came out, who um, publicly repented and ended his own ministry um, because he came to terms with, I've, I've said so many false prophecies, I don't even think I should continue. And he's one of the only people I've seen actually to that degree humble themselves. And I think he's still got a ministry, but, but went public saying, I totally missed it on the election. I've totally missed it for a long time. And so I think I'm just, I need to sit down for a while. And I, and I, and I think that needs to happen more for a very lot of, <laughs> a whole lot of people. If we have a platform and we say, Donald Trump's going to be president. And we say it for two years and then it's not true. We need, we need to own that hard. But many haven't. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know, back in the Old Testament, they would stone you when you got it wrong. We don't live in that day anymore. But when we get it wrong, we have to apologize and say, I'm wrong. I missed it. I, I, don't, I don't know why I missed it. And, and then you need to get counsel and, and figure out why and then get reestablished doing the you know, right things. But if, long story short, there's going to be so many confused prophetic people saying so many false things that will actually lead people astray. And I just, my heart is, I don't like it when people are led astray. Because it, it leads them in a direction for years, and then it takes them years to get back to what's real, and that was 10 years of wasted time. Why did we... So when you have a sense of like, I think Joe Biden's going to be the next president... You don't have to say, thus says the Lord. You just, hey guys, I was in prayer and I just think the Lord told me, I think Joe Biden's going to be president. And then you find out either you're right or you're wrong. And if you're right, just be humble about it. And if you're wrong, I missed it. The problem is there was so many prominent people with energy. I know for sure, thus says the Lord, Donald Trump's going to be president again. And then they just completely disappear when they're wrong. You got to own it. Okay, I'm getting a, I know I'm getting pretty intense on this message, but I'm just saying here, we want to be true prophets. We want to be truthful Christians. We want to speak the truth. 
And I think uh, I'm reading through Jeremiah right now. Jeremiah, part of his ministry, he, he dealt with so many false prophets. God was saying one thing, the false prophets were saying the exact opposite. His whole ministry, he was dealing with God and he was trying to address false prophets. Last but not least, Jesus said there would be lawlessness and there would be lovelessness. Probably the the hardest thing to read when Jesus goes through, he says, guys, here's what's going to happen. At the very end, he says, there's going to come a point where all of this is happening. And there's so many people living without law. There's so many people that will get led astray that, that love itself will begin to become cold. Can you imagine that? In the earth, love will grow cold. I mean, I just can't think of a more sad, the very thing that we all need the most. I mean, if, you, if you're in love with God or if you're in love with someone, you can get through a lot. If you love your kids, you can endure a lot. But even love itself will begin to be as if it were like a cold, like, ugh, I haven't felt that in a while. Like, have you ever had a relationship where it just cooled off? And you're not really sure why, but it just kind of just got chilly and then just became cold. And we've all had that happen. It's not a good feeling, but that's going to be in the earth. There's going to be this reality. There's so much drama, so many things happening. And then the lawlessness is connected to the lovelessness. People just unrestrained sin. But here's the good news. There's going to be a church. And that church is going to be different. That church is going to have the love of Jesus. There's going to come a day where the things Jesus spoke about, you know the Bible verses where it says that if you love one another, um, you know, people will see your love and they'll know Jesus is real, that kind of stuff. The church will have such a genuine love that although it's kind of cooling off in the rest of the earth, I believe that much of the church will have burning hearts of love for Jesus and for one another and for the lost. And that will attract people like nothing else. It's just the true, genuine love. Not, not the signs and wonders, that'll happen. Not the, you know, not all the humanitarian aid, although that will happen. But just after they see the signs and wonders and get their meal and get their clothing and get housing, then they meet the Christian and the Christian is the most loving person they've ever met because that Christian knows Jesus. Can you imagine that? And I think that's where it's all going. Oh, that's just a two-year-old slamming doors. (laughs) So once again... We want to have our eyes wide open. Jesus says, this is the context of ministry at the end of the age. Whatever fantasy we may have of what ministry is going to be like at the end, we need to get rid of that and we need to sign up for this is what's coming. You know, right now we see war in Ukraine. We see COVID-19 pandemic still kind of floating out there. It's still, I mean, it's, it's all over. It's intensifying in some countries. It's not so much here. And there's been, you know, there's been social unrest with the George Floyd protests and all of that created some turbulence. But imagine not just those scenarios, imagine a dozen on top of that. Maybe then a few more years later, a dozen on top of that. So many pressure points 
that people are just like, ah, they're and, and ultimately in the wisdom of God, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end this here. <laughs> in the wisdom of God, what he's doing, and this is what keeps our heart from offense, he's creating a condition in the earth so that the most people will get saved in the history of the earth. It will, be, it will look like, where are you, God? And his response is, I'm creating a dynamic where all the, the props are taken out and we see people for who they are. We see humanity for what it really is when all the props are taken out and we just come to one conclusion, I need Jesus. I need a savior for my sins because I'm, I'm evil. I see evil all around me. I just see war and famine and death and starvation. I need something. And that something is Jesus. And so again, don't, you know, don't, buy into the, I need to go buy a bunker 30 miles underground and stay there till the second coming. No, no, no. We want to be actively involved. We want to be obedient to what he's calling us to do because it's going to be the greatest days of ministry are now and yet ahead. I feel like it's just going to continue to kind of do a curve upward of the most epic time to be in ministry is now and it's only going to continue to get more epic. Because our need for him will increase. People's desire for him will increase. And, and, and so much more. Amen. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org slash donate. That's gphop.org slash donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.